Welcome back, ladies. Week two of Women's Bible Study. We're just so happy to have you. Today, we're going to unpack Psalm 23, Lessons from the Desert, a Shepherd's Song. Let's join Pastor Ashley Wilkerson, who's co-pastor of Church for All Nations, as she digs into this lesson. Ladies, ladies, welcome. This is week two of A Shepherd's Song, Lessons from the Desert of Psalm 23. And I'm so grateful that all of you have joined us today, but you at home, thank you, thank you for tuning in. I want to take a second before we dive into scripture today, and I got to give a shout out. I don't know if you noticed, my amazing jacket, Melissa Montgomery, thank you. You amazing, amazing woman of God for thinking of me and buying me this unbelievable jacket donned with the 23rd Psalm all over it. Like how powerful, incredible. And I was so stoked to get to preach in it today Uh, in all of its shiny glory. Yeah, yeah. We should call it the Shekinah. No, no. Too much, too much, too far. Last week, we unpacked the very, very beginning of Psalm 23, right? We literally just got through the first half of the first verse. And I want to share with you, I think you'll begin to understand today why we stopped there. But I want to dive in together. Open your Bibles. It's going to be on the screens, but I hope you're taking notes. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through you, in you this week, through the discussion questions and through his word. But we're going to start, of course, in the 23rd Psalm, in verse 1. We're going to read what we went through last week, but then also the second part of the verse today. Psalm 23, verse 1, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Whoa, 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 wait. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Friends, I don't know about you, but most of my life, I feel like I'm lacking something. Most of my life, I feel like I'm either missing something or I'm less than or I'm not enough or I'm wanting for something. I want to look at other translations. There's one translation that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now that's interesting too. Another translation actually says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now that's very different, isn't it? From all that I want, right? Throughout life, There's so many things that I see and I want or I think I want. And scripture is clear in this 23rd Psalm that when the Lord is my shepherd, regardless of what I maybe want, I have all that I need. Whether we feel like it or not. Whether it's what others say we should want or they think we need or not. God, if he is our shepherd, is enough. Amen? He's enough. He is that provider. 
But I got to tell you, I, I think that the psalmist understood our struggle of still feeling, knowing that God, as our shepherd, has provided us with everything we need. Most of us still feel lack in times. And I want to tell you here today that I believe David wrote the next couple lines to explain to us how God provides and how when we don't understand how the Lord provides for us, those are the times that we think we are in lack. But when we begin to understand how God as our shepherd truly provides for our needs, not necessarily our wants, but our needs in his timing, when we understand that, we begin to understand that he is everything that we could ever want, ever need in our future. He has it taken care of. So today, I want to unpack those. But I got to tell you, we have to be able to understand what David is trying to show us in this passage. And how many of you know, even if somebody speaks the same language that we do, we don't always understand them. Well, right. right? I think back to bringing some of my college friends home. I know I talk about my hometown all the time. I remember bringing some of my college friends home to my little small town in Georgia and walking into the local restaurant and people walking up to them going, oh, Ashley, introduce me to this NFL. And my friend looking at me going, do they think I play professional football? <laughs> and I have to stop and go, no, 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 NFL stands for not from Lincolnton. <laughs> They're talking about you, right? I think about that. I think about when I moved to the Pacific Northwest and I walked into a store on a Friday in the fall. <laughs> And everybody is donned head to toe in Seahawks gear. And I thought, I have walked into a cult. (laughs) David Koresh, where are you, right? Like, I'm terrified in that moment. And then somebody explains, oh, it's Blue Friday. Do you know that no one else in the nation knows what Blue Friday is? No one, right? Or maybe that first time when somebody says, Woo-hoo, Pastor Ashley, the mountain is out, right? And I'm like, it goes in? That's terrifying, right? This is crazy. I'm telling you, we have military families. We are right next door. If you're watching from somewhere else, we're literally right next door to Joint Base Lewis McCord. And I remember talking with military families, and they're talking about when they're getting their loved one back home from a deployment. And they'll use phrases like, in 10 days in a wake-up. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I had to ask, like, okay, wait, say it again, you know, and they're unpacking that to me, or maybe, okay, last one, last one. I I remember when Pastor JF and I got married, and we lived in Miami, and if if you watch basketball at all, this is the time of the three kings, the Miami Heat, right? But I grew up a football girl, so I didn't know much about basketball then, and I remember the first time I heard the phrase triple-double, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Homegirl straight up Googled it, okay? No shame, no shame. But the context in which phrases are used, 
right? We don't always understand those. And especially in a given like place, location, or even an environment. And we find that this happens all the time in scripture because I wasn't born in the Middle East. I wasn't raised there. So there are things that you have in these Middle Eastern writers that I won't necessarily understand, especially when they're translated from their original language into English. And so today I want to look at three desert pictures that I believe are found in scripture that help us, friends. They help us understand that when God is our shepherd, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what things look like, we lack nothing. Amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, we're going we're gonna to unpack those three pictures, but we're going to start by reading verse 2. We're getting to the second verse today, ladies. It's going to be so good. Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The first desert picture I want to unpack to you today is green pastures. Write that down in your notes. Green pastures. I grew up in church my entire life and when I was growing up, we had this amazing phenomenon called Sunday school, Yes, right? And I miss Sunday school. Sunday school is amazing. And so we all got to church super early and we had a class before church, right? And these amazing men and women of God would give of their time and their effort, their energy to teach little hooligans like me, you know, just trying to wrangle me in. And they used to do things like have these felt boards. Do you remember felt boards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Felt boards where they would stick these not culturally accurate pictures of Scripture and Jesus that was blonde. He was a model, a blonde model, legit blonde model, not dressed in anything rabbinic, you know, just like amazing, amazing. But I remember memorizing the 23rd Psalm in that setting. And there was a picture that I had in my head, maybe because of my own flesh, maybe because of the felt board. I don't know. There was a picture of, in my head of what green pastures must have looked like. And I got to tell you, we have a picture here. I want to show you what I felt like green pastures look like. I literally envisioned just fields and fields of the tallest grasses, the most lush, comfortable grasses, and maybe a couple of beautiful trees that would provide shade when I didn't, as a sheep, want to sunbathe anymore, right? <laughs> and then, and of course, the grass would be super comfy, and maybe there'd be a stream that would flow through this grass. And I, of course, would have a bed beside the stream so that when I got thirsty, I wouldn't even have to move. Anybody want to live that life, right? Like you just kind of stick your head over and you lap some water and then maybe on the other side you stick your head over and then you eat, right? You're just eating the grass and like who wouldn't want to follow a shepherd when he makes you lie down in luxurious places like that? And then my first rabbinic 
lesson on the 23rd Psalm, this amazing Messianic rabbi unpacked to me and for me what green pastures actually were. You see, green pastures, that's a cultural colloquialism. My husband loves that word. It's a cultural colloquialism that even kindergartners in that shepherding culture today in Israel would understand. They understand that shepherds often have to graze through rocky, rocky, dry, barren areas of the desert. And in those areas, there's a phenomenon called green pastures. And the way it occurs is that winds blow over the Mediterranean and tiny drops of dew will collect on sides of some of those massive rocks in little bitty cracks and crevices of the mountain. And in a few days or weeks of drops collecting, often tiny tufts of grass will grow. Those tufts of grass are called green pastures. And I want to show you what that looks like because I believe this is an image that will radically change the way you view the way God provides for us. You see, this is a picture of what green pastures actually looks like. And in this picture, you can't even see the grass, friends. The shepherd understands not only where to find these, but he understands the value of you having to trust him in a daily way so that he will lead you to these green pastures. And friends, I need for you to truly grasp that every single green pasture is just enough for those sheep mm-hmm. for that one day. Oh, oh that's good. For that one day, friends. That's good. You see, you and I, and maybe you're not like me, you know, I'll just say me. For me, I want God to unpack for me the next 10 years. Come on. <laughs> well. Okay? I want my bank account full, I want my fridge full, I want my planner to know exactly what's going to happen and when. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I make you lie down in green pastures because I need you to understand that you have to learn to trust me, the Lord says. I need for you to understand the mouthful, that it's just enough for that sheep just today. Wow. That's good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why would God make me lie down in green pastures? Because that's not a place that I'm going to voluntarily go. Well, It's not. No. If you ask me, do you want to live a life that needs to trust God every day? I will say no. I want to live a life that says, yes, Lord, you already provided. I don't even have to trust you because I see it in front of me, right? But let me ask you a question. What if the good shepherd cares more about your cultivation than your comfort? What if he cares more about you needing to learn to trust him every single day? 
than he cares about you being comfortable. That radically changes the way we think about it. And this is not a unique concept. We find this throughout scripture, right? The children of Israel are fed manna. Was it to last a week? No. Each day, right? Just enough for today. We know that if they started to hoard it, it would spoil. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, Lord, we want to learn to pray like you're praying. You're praying in a way that we've never heard before. Teach us to pray like that. Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. If Pastor Ashley had been praying, let me tell you how to pray. <laughs> Lord, give us this day the golden corral version of the buffet and the bread, Lord. Not just for today, but for the rest of our lives. I'm telling you, that, that's how I am prone to pray. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Just enough for today. So that tomorrow when you wake up and your flesh wants to go and do it your own way, you have to trust the shepherd. It makes all the difference. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's go to the second part of that verse. He leads me beside quiet waters. Quiet waters. The second desert picture that I believe the psalmist unpacks for us so that we can understand Again, friends, regardless of how you feel, what you see, that you truly lack nothing Mm -hmm. if God is your shepherd, is quiet waters. Write that down. Quiet waters. You might be interested to learn, this was shocking to me the first time I learned it, that the majority of the deaths that occur in the Middle Eastern desert, right, outside of war, are not starvation, not thirst, not scorpions or any sort of desert insect. I got to tell you, my son is kind of obsessed with scorpions right now. He would say, Mom, it's scorpions. Uh, (laughs) Not poisonous snakes. It's flash floods. Flash floods in a desert. And I got to tell you, this is a really interesting dynamic in how they occur. The region of the Middle East, most of you know, is so incredibly diverse in even its weather patterns. And so there are regions, there are parts that get decent rain, and then there are parts that get none at all, really. And it's incredible, and I'm not smart enough to fully understand the way this phenomenon occurs, but when specific rains will fall on certain mountain ranges, and they wouldn't be mountains in the way that we see Mount Rainier, but for their mountain ranges, the limestone of the mountains can't absorb the rain fast enough. So what happens is these rains end up rushing down these mountains. They collect in what ends up being a flash flood and they pour, they roar, through these canyons that have been carved by floods that have happened previously. These canyons are actually called wadis. W-A-D-I. A wadi. And it's so interesting because what happens after these eight and ten foot walls 
of water rush down, which, and I've been told they actually sound like a train when they're coming right up on you. It comes out of nowhere, right? Not a cloud in the sky, but because it rained on a mountain a few miles away, right? This 10 foot wall of water is coming down in this canyon. And if there's any animals or tourists, because the locals know where not to go, right? If there's anything in that canyon, it gets washed away in this incredibly loud rush of water. And what it leaves behind is this really fine silica sand from the limestone mountains, right? And this sand is incredibly beautiful. And often, not all the water will evaporate immediately. And so it leaves these beautiful puddles of water that if a tourist who is thirsty, right? Like if I'm touring out there and, it's, and I'm so hot and I'm so thirsty, I see this gorgeous pool of water in this canyon. Immediately, I think, let's go down there. Yeah. Like quick quick, uh, you know, jump in the pool, <laughs> quick drink of the clean water. It looks amazing, right? But what could happen if you climb down in that canyon, start to drink some of that water, you don't even realize that you could be in the path of such insane danger and destruction. Culturally, that region calls those flash floods loud waters. Loud waters of the desert. And I love if you go, go maybe later this week and read in Matthew 7, Jesus tells a whole parable about a, a foolish man building his house on the sand, right? Well, in the original language, that word sand is not sand. It is wadi. And now you realize that Jesus wasn't saying he's foolish because it's sand. It's foolish because of the location. Mm. Because he's building it in the middle of a canyon wadi. Not realizing the danger and the destruction. And maybe if you were in Sunday school like I was, you learned that song. And the rains came down and the floods came up. That's like one thing from Sunday school that actually was accurate. Right? <laughs> The rains came down and the floods came up. Yeah, I'm not bashing Sunday school. <laughs> I promise. We'll bring it back. We'll make it right. <laughs> what do I want you to see from this? I want you to understand that those loud waters, so often what's exactly attractive to us in the moment what, what looks like, oh, wait, 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 that, that looks really good. And you, and you know what, Pastor Ashley, it's right here. Mm -hmm. I can literally just climb down and get to it. So often what we're drawn to, the easy refreshing, mm. can be so detrimental to what God has for our future. Mm. And what Scripture says in Psalm 23 too, He leads me beside quiet waters. The good shepherd, when you allow him to lead you, he leads you far from all of those easy places. All those places that would be a trap for you, he leads you far from those. But what's so unique about quiet waters in that region, friends, those are these tiny brooks that are barely audible. 
that are often hidden up in the mountains. They are hard to get to. They take longer than we would often want. Do you see the picture here? The good shepherd, he leads us beside quiet waters. And so often we as sheep are kicking and screaming and going, Lord, there's a whole pool down there. Why can't I just go jump in that? God, it looks so refreshing. And he is going, trust me. You don't realize the danger in that guy, in those pills, in that bottle, in that place. You have no idea. It looks so simple. It's right there, Lord. And he's going, no, 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 no. That's not where I'm leading you. I lead you into the depths, the quiet places that, yeah, it's not your timing. It takes longer to get there. Yeah, it's not the path you would have chosen at all. That's why I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep. Right? He leads me beside quiet waters. Psalm 23, let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do you believe that? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Why, Pastor Angie? Because I don't want to. If it had looked like what I thought, (laughs) sign me up. That real picture, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. He leads me. Away from the loud waters, away from the easy stuff, away from what's drawing me, attracting me, continually enticing me. He leads me away from that. He leads me beside the quiet waters. The quiet waters that are often hidden away. Mm -hmm. The quiet waters that are often not anything I would ever find on my own. Right? And I love this last part, verse 3. He refreshes my soul. The NASB actually says, He restores my soul. The last picture that I want to unpack for you today is the aurora bush. And we'll put the proper spelling up there, but it's really, it's pronounced aurora. You get to open your mouth wide for that one. A ra-ra bush. The aurora is a, a type of bush that's actually indigenous only to the Middle Eastern culture. And for that reason, often when it's mentioned, it's only mentioned a few times in Scripture, but for that reason, our wonderful English translators just translated it into bush. Because why would we ever, none of us would ever normally even know what an aurora is. But so often we miss so much of the picture when we don't realize the specificity of this exact bush. And every single time I read the 23rd Psalm and I read verse 3, it talks about how he, the good shepherd, actually restores my soul. He's the one that refreshes me. Every time I read that in my heart, in my mind, this picture of the aurora bush appears. And let me tell you why. 
One of my favorite places that the, this specific bush is mentioned in scripture is found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse five, scripture says, this is what the Lord says. This is the Lord's exact words, okay? Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength, from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. I want to back up because in the original language, it says that person will be like an aurora bush in the wastelands. Why would scripture say that if you trust in man, if you put your trust in your flesh or someone else's, that you end up like an aurora bush. Well, let me show you a picture of what an aurora bush actually looks like. If you see here, it is a beautiful, actually succulent looking bush and it's, they're really large. And what's amazing is where they're found in these pockets of the desert. So often they're found in places that get little to no water, have little to no plant life. And so you have these gorgeous succulents, kind of like what we're surrounded by, but larger in the middle of nowhere. And I'm told that if you walk up to these bushes and you actually squeeze the fruit that's hanging from them, they're kind of like the size of maybe mangoes, the fruit is squishy. And so I can just fathom walking through the desert, being thirsty, being hot, right? It's not the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and walking up in my thirst, feeling this fruit and realizing it feels like it's full of some of the juiciest. And I can picture just thinking mango juice, right? The sweetness is just so incredible. But what's so fascinating is that if you crack open one of these fruits, I have a picture of it. Look what you see. There's nothing but a dry cobweb-like substance. And there's one or two tiny drops of what I'm told is some of the most poisonous liquid found in the entire desert. In fact, the Bedouin tribes to this day put that poison on their arrows so that when they shoot large prey, they'll die immediately. What is scripture unpacking for us? Friends, the idea here is that when we put our trust in man, when we put our trust in mere flesh, in Ashley, or in another human, right? What, what happens in, that, in those instances? What happens is I may look like I have it all together on the outside. I may look like this beautiful bush in the middle of a wasteland and that I have the refreshing, I have the refreshment that everybody wants. But let me tell you what happens when people crack you open and see what's on the inside. It's emptiness and death.
And scripture's warning us over and over, friends, when we put our trust in anyone other than the Good Shepherd, doesn't matter how well-meaning the people are, how holy and righteous they may seem when we put our hope and trust in any human other than the Good Shepherd. Other than the Lord, we end up empty. We have nothing to offer anyone but death. And the psalmist gives us this picture that he, the good shepherd, friends, he is more than enough. He is more than enough for you. He is more than enough for me. So often we don't believe that because we don't understand that he makes us lie down in green pastures. He puts us in those places where we have to learn to trust him every single day. Why? Because I'm going to say it again. God cares more about your cultivation than your comfort. He cares more about growing you in what he desires for you than you feeling good about where you are right now. It's true. And the quiet waters, friends, so often we're so upset with God because we chose the loud waters. Lord, you didn't provide. Look at this mess I'm in. He said, oh, friend, you didn't let me lead you. You didn't let me lead you to quiet waters. You ran to the loud waters the second you saw them. That's why what that man said to you had such a bear. Oh, you took it in and you, and then he crushed you. Why? Because he was loud waters. You didn't let me speak over you who you are. You didn't let me take you to that place where I could fill you up. I could refresh you. You ran to that. And then you're mad at me because you're in the middle of destruction. David talks about the Lord pulling him out of the miry clay. Friends, that's in a wadi. After a flash flood, David knows about those loud waters. I know about those loud waters. I know the destruction they can cause. But he, the good shepherd, he's drawing us. He's constantly pulling us out of that miry clay, out of that muck. We talked about it last week. Pulling us out of the wreckage. Why? Because he has so much more for us. He's not done with us. Right? He says, oh, little sheep, my goodness, you did it again. Pulling pulling us out, right? Over and over. He restores our soul. Friends, He is the restoration, the refreshing that we need, that we know not of. Friends, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of going to Pastor JF looking for him to refresh me. Come on, somebody. That is not his role. It's not. And he's a wonderful, wonderful, godly man. That is not his role. He is not enough. He's not enough to do that. I have a God-shaped hole inside of me that he is. He's the only one that can fill the good shepherd. So often we just keep, we keep pulling from, oh, that girlfriend. Yeah, friend, girlfriends are great, 
She's not enough. She'll never be enough. Humans will always let you down. But when we understand that when I let him lead me, there's, it's not enough, friends, to just have knowledge of the shepherd. He has to be your shepherd, right? Him leading you, you following him. When you are obedient and following him in this way, you lack nothing. All the grace that your life requires, all the forgiveness, all the mercy, right? All the healing, all of it, you lack nothing. Just have to remember the pictures, the green pastures, the quiet waters, and the aurora bush. Man, let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you are the good shepherd in ways, Lord, that we are just beginning to scratch the surface. Lord, we are so, so grateful, God, that you do. You make us lie down in those places, Lord, where we have to need you sometimes every single moment, God. And Lord, even though we get frustrated in those moments because we want the entire plan laid out before us and we want everything we could possibly ever imagine at our fingertips, Lord, number one, we ask you to forgive us. God, help us to grasp that you are a God that desires for us to need you. Lord, you want us to need you daily. Lord, you want to cultivate in us a lifestyle that is dependent solely on you. And that requires you making us lie down in green pastures. Thank you, God, that even though we're constantly being drawn to these loud waters, God, that you lead us beside quiet waters, that you take us to those hard-to-reach places, those depths, God, that aren't seen by our eyes, but because you are the God of the universe and such a good shepherd, you lead us there slowly, even if you're having to pull us the whole way, God. We thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. Thank you, God, that you restore our soul. Lord, forgive us for constantly pulling at other people, constantly looking to things and people and maybe even ourselves. I can do it, right? I'm enough for me. Thank you, God, that number one, we're not enough, but you are always more than enough. Lord, that you restore us in a way, you refresh us in a way that no human will ever be able to. Help us to remember that. Help us, God, to run to you with everything that we have, everything that we are. God, and as you refresh us, God, that we show your love and your refreshing to others. Lord, we ask that you do it. Those of us that feel empty inside, Lord, people don't know it. They look at us and they think we have it all together, but we are so desperately empty. And those that get really close to see what's on the inside of us, they know there's just death there. 
God, we just ask right now that you would begin to fill us with your life, with your love, with your refreshing, God, with your healing balm of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would experience you, God, in brand new ways. Lord, we want more of you, more of you, more of your understanding, more of the revelation of how you desire to lead us so that we can live confidently knowing that we have everything we need in you, in your perfect timing. Help us, God, to follow your leading, Good Shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that this ministered to you today. That's right. It's not too late to register online at cfan.church. Get in a circle group, dig in a little deeper, and make sure you're getting those discussion questions in your email. Bye, ladies.